I am proud to add to the website as an exclusive sponsor of Ben Fred Fridays, the St. Louis-based criminal defense firm of Henderson Watercutty. As many of you know, I'm proud to be from St. Louis, and Mick Henderson and Steve Watercutty are from St. Louis. They call it home. Their firm is the premier criminal defense firm in Missouri and Illinois. So being from St. Louis, they want to help people from our region. And all you have to do is go to their website, stlcriminaldefense.com. That's stlcriminaldefense.com. Now, on that website, you will see the countless testimonials of people who they have helped over the many years that they have been doing work for people in the region. On the site, there are frequently asked questions, categories, and a wealth of information to help guide you through the process of figuring out how to make decisions to protect your rights. And it doesn't matter how big or small the case. They're known for their communication with their clients, and this is why. You can reach them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they have a proven track record of handling your criminal defense and traffic needs. The St. Louis-based criminal defense firm of Henderson Watercutty. The website again, and really, go to the website. It's incredibly easy to navigate. STLcriminaldefense.com. Check it out. That's STLcriminaldefense.com. Or call them anytime, day or night, 24 hours a day. The number, 314-645-4400. 314-645-4400. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. So I wanted to get you in with five questions about 2019, and you're the perfect guy uh, to ask the lead sports columnist, one of them on uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch website, stltoday.com, and the Post-Dispatch itself. Um, I would assume that this is an easy question for you to answer, but the top sports story for St. Louis in 2019, it probably happened on the ice. I think it has to, and it's almost unfair to the other great things that happened in St. Louis sports this year because I go back to the Larry Bird reference where – you know, when he would compete in the three-point shooting contest uh, at the All-Star game, he would go in and say, who's playing for second? And uh, <laughs> as a way to intimidate everybody, and that's kind of what the Blues have done here. Um, I do a ranking every year, the top stories, you know, of, of, the, of, the, of the calendar year for the Post-Dispatch. And it never has, number one, been this easy since I've been doing it. And I can't imagine it's ever been this easy for anybody since they've been doing it. You only get one first championship and you only get one for a city and a team that's waited more than a half decade for this, and you only get one that you know happened that that was truly historic, and that the Blues were nearly dead in the water. I mean, they changed coaches, they changed goalies. You could not make this story up. So I think it's I think it's first, and I think it's first by a country mile. You brought me literally to tears. Your article and your column about the parade, and you followed the captain, Alex Petrangelo. Can you give our, our listeners that maybe don't remember or had a chance to read that, what that was all about? It was just a tremendous piece that you put together. Well, thank you. And, and there were a million. I mean, it, people say, well, you wrote that well about the Blues. And it's like, I'm like, well, thank, first of all, thank you. Second of all, like it would have been impossible to not <laughs> write well about that team because, I mean, you could not – you could not come up with a team that was more fun to cover, more more fun to write about the the stories that were there to be told, um, stories of perseverance, stories of 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 humor. I mean, 
how could you you couldn't make up Carl Gunnarsson predicting a game-winning goal while he's taking a leak next to his coach in Boston? I mean, this is really it should be a movie. I wrote that during the during the series, and and I truly believe it. Um, you know, someone will make a lot of money if they do this story right because you can't really capture it in one conversation or in, in, in one column, but you try to break off little chapters of it. And I thought one was following Alex and he is the first blues player to ever lift the Stanley cup as, as a current player, of the blues, the captain. And he had his, his own story, Dan. I mean, with, with as many questions as he faced um, in that leadership role, he doubted himself at times as they were really struggling um, during the, the coaching change, he was questioning himself. Am I the right guy to lead this team? Am I the right guy to fill David Backus's shoes? And and look who he ends up who they end up playing for for the Stanley Cup. I mean, you couldn't. It, it, it's storybook stuff. And and I thought I wanted to you know kind of get the final the final story of Alex in the cup and 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 presenting it to the fans and. It was pretty special to watch. I just trailed him, and he overcame adversity on the on the parade. And he showed up to to his family and his triplets, and they were like, "Oh no, you're riding on this this Budweiser wagon." So he had to climb this wagon. <laughs> so he had to put his his triplets on a golf cart with his with his folks, and he and his wife got up on the back of this wagon, and he was up there for about I'd say 30 seconds. And then he said, "You know what? Forget this. I'm getting down. I'm taking the cup down." And it was really Alex Petrangelo who made the decision to take the Stanley Cup and make the parade uh, really a parade of the people. Um, and I don't know that it was planned out, but he just said, look, I, I'm not going to sit up here and look down on everybody. You know, the city has waited a long time for this. I'm taking it with me. And he went and walked, and he walked the, the parade route. He walked up. He walked down. He, I wish I had how many miles it was. At one point in time, I looked at my phone, and it was tracking the miles, and it was like double what the parade route was. He pulled people out of the out of the crowd that you know people were in, who were in wheelchairs for for different reasons. He pushed them physically, pushed them in their wheelchairs along the parade route. He stopped for a young man who who had Down syndrome and and took a photo with him and let him touch the cup. I mean, he really made it all inclusive. And that's one thing I heard about the parade from everybody was that they were so amazed by how interactive it was and how the players made them feel like a part of it. And and I watched it happen, and it happened because of Alex Petrangelo. And I'll ask Chris Kerber coming up uh, next hour. We'll preview the game tonight in Los Angeles about an extension potentially for the captain. All right, question number two, Ben Fredrickson, our guest, your athlete of the year in uh, 2019 in St. Louis sports. I feel like we need two categories, like blues and non-blues. But if we're if we're just going all in- encompassing, I have to say Jordan Bennington, Dan. Um, and, and there are other guys who are deserving of this. But I thought it was the emergence of Jordan Bennington that truly put the Blues on a championship path. It's amazing what a locked in and and elite goalie can do, and, and that's what he became. And the team's confidence when he emerged as the as the guy for this team, it was they were on a different level. And he's he's done that, even continued it into you know his second season here. But I thought Jordan Bennington emerging as the the backbone and the backbone of this championship caliber Blues team was was hard to top. And and if I had to give him uh, if I could do a non Blues, I'd, I'd say Jack Flaherty. I thought what we saw from Jack in the second half this baseball season really entrenched him as the ace of this team and and one of the best young pitchers in all of baseball. How about your 2019 moment of the year? Now it could be. Ray- Raising the cup could be game seven. It's got to be blues, I'm assuming, but maybe it's coming back from the hand pass that was in the playoffs that was a terrible call for the NHL, embarrassing in many ways. But 
I, I'm throwing out some ones off the top of my head, but your moment of the year in sports. A million, a million little moments. But for me, it, and this is, I guess, corny, but it was seeing those gloves fly into the air at TD Garden in Boston. Um, just that, 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 that. Okay, there's nothing that can happen. The building cannot collapse and, and erase this game, and the lead is is finally safe and it's over. And just that that release of of the gloves, you know, seeing that kind of that. If it's forever in my head, uh, that's the the, the snapshot. That I will that I will have kind of uh, they did it and and that was that was it the moment uh, but man a million little moments right I mean that that response to that hand pass game was spectacular um, you, you, Pat Maroon and 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 the game winner in St Louis um, you know that was clearly if you had to have a photo of of the run that that has to be in the, in the conversation um, and then if you're if you're going to expand it you know the parade and Brett Hull, <laughs> there's just a million, and everybody's going to have their own their own favorite one. But but I think for me that just that celebration on the ice, and for me personally, if I can share a, a quick personal of one, course. It was talking talking with Tom Stillman on the ice after the after the Stanley Cup win at Game Seven in Boston, because as you will remember, Dan, the Post Dispatch had a little tiny storyline in this thing with the accidental leak of the congratulatory advertisements and sponsorships that ran before game six. Ah, yeah. And it's okay to talk about now at the time. It felt like, uh, it felt like the, the post-dispatch was about to become the Bartman of, of St. Louis. Um, and it, it was just a, it was just a mistake and, and it happened and it got out and then they lost game six so terribly. And you thought, Oh my God, the post-dispatch is going to be on the Wikipedia page of, of the blues curse and, and in prominent position here. Um, talking with Tom Stillman after the win saying, Hey, is the Pope, is the paper off the hook? And, uh, kind of joking and him giving me a look that was like kind of funny, but also kind of like, I still kind of want to throw you down and rub your face in the ice a little bit as if I did it. But, uh, we had a good laugh about that, but that was just a, a little bit of a moment, you know, realizing, okay, whew, the paper's not going to be, uh, blamed by millions here. <laughs> you know, a moment for me, and you brought up a great point was Pat Maroon's goal, but I, there's a great photo of Pat Maroon, and he's embracing and and what is the greatest tradition in sports that handshake, and he's there with Ben Bishop, another St. Louis kid, yeah. and behind him is that flag of St. Louis. A fan brought that, and I thought this is a celebration of hockey in this town. It is exploded in so many ways. Whether you have the Centene situation, uh, the renovations of Enterprise Center, winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, you had the Winter Classic. Now you have a Stanley Cup championship. I thought that that photo kind of embraced everything that was happening at that point in time. Yeah, perfect. And that's the one that belongs not only on the on the wall of, of folks, you know, man caves or or fan caves, whatever we're calling them these days. But uh, but it should be on a billboard for for St. Louis. Um, you know, with with the, with the number of young people picking up the game and. And there, there will be kind of like that, uh, that boom of hockey players here that were created in part because of this team, and, and that's something that, that that's pretty special. You can see it in the excitement about the sport. You can see it. I mean, the kid who lives next door to me, Dan, I, I come home every day, and he's he's shooting his uh, you know street puck against against the net outside of his house, and he's you know I talk to him about the Blues, and he's, he he lights up. I mean, they they created players, they created fans. Um, they really, I think, did more for the sport of hockey in this town than, than any team, and that's a lot considering there have been some really great players, there have been some really good teams, but this one will always be, always be number one. 
Question four, coach of the year or manager of the year? Mike Schilt wins it in the National League for the National uh, League side of things, and they win the Central Division, but, boy, it'd be hard to pick against uh, Craig Berube. Tough tough year for Schilte, right? Yeah. To, to win National League Manager of the Year in your first full year as manager and not even win Coach of the Year in your hometown. But unfortunately for him, that's uh, that's what he was up against. And I, I think he's okay with that, too. Uh, he, he got a kick out of, of watching the Blues, too. So, yeah, Craig Berube, man. Every, everything he touched turned to gold. The line changes um, were magical. The, the motivation was there. I think we... We being the media at times early on maybe did Berube a disservice by portraying him as this tough guy, and he is that. Don't get me wrong. I think the players are half scared of him and half uh, half appreciative of him. It goes kind of depends on the day. I think they all very much think he could beat them up if it came to that, and he's always probably about one threat away from from feeling like he needs to. But he's he's more than just a guy who yells and shouts and used to beat people up in hockey. He knows the game. He knows when to push the pedal down. He knows when to let off the gas. It seems like every time he moves the lines, it, they respond. Um, he's handled, he continues to handle the Jordan Bennington, Jake Allen situation perfectly, and I think is a big reason that is that is meshed so well with what could be a really tough spot for Jake, but he's embraced it, I think, in part because of Craig. I mean, go back to what he challenged, the way he challenged Vladimir Tarasenko in San Jose. I mean, I was there, and, and he, he was as critical as Vladimir Tarasenko as a coach has been um, with the Blues publicly, and he didn't do it to try to upset him. He did it to try to inspire him, and it worked. It seems like he always had the right buttons to press, and we saw it especially in the in the hand pass game in St. Louis where we expected to go to that dressing room and hear about how poor Blues and they're out to get us and this is rigged and, 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 and you know, this cost us the game. And he had gone in there, and whatever he said, they were, they were, they were drinking his Kool-Aid because he told them to – blow it off and that it wasn't going to define the series and they went with that mindset and made it a reality in fact it almost i think kind of hurt the the sharks because they were asked tons of questions about how lucky they were and it almost seemed to kind of get into their heads they started getting a little snippy and, and i think he played that perfectly so he ha- he knows how to ride guys hard when when to do it and he also knows when to show that sense of humor and and i go back to that one of those games i forget which one it was where he went in and told him, hey, boys, practice early tomorrow, first thing in the morning. And they all looked at him like he was crazy. And he said, I'm just kidding. And they all erupt with laughter. I mean, the, he has a good way about him. And, and these guys are still responding to it now. So I don't think this is a message or a, or a style that's going to get stale all, all of a sudden. It's it's sustainable, which is impressive. Question five. We'll wrap up this segment with Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Your GOAT. And I'm not talking greatest of all time. Who's your GOAT this year in St. Louis sports? Well, man, we kind of got to it. Uh, we kind of got to it a little bit early because I was gonna, I was gonna probably have to say Craig Berube, but uh, hey, <laughs> you know, we should probably give some love to to the front office here um, because I think Doug Armstrong deserves. Oh some no, Ben, so. Ben, I want a goat. I want, I want the <laughs> negative. I don't want to hear all this positive. I oh, mean, a goat. Uh, hold you on know. a second. All hold right, go ahead. Because. We, we got to define. We could do a whole segment on this. What is goat these days? Because well, that's goat true. is now greatest of all time, and it is. It, it's like LeBron James. So are we? You got to define. We got to specify which goat. Are we doing bad goat or good goat? I want a bad one. <laughs> oh, I'm not all you know peachy keen on this show, oh, man. Come on. Negative. You say I'm negative, but you're the you're the one who's negative. I'm a negative Nelly. What do you got? <laughs> All right, well, hey, let's just get down to it. There, it's, it's probably going to have to be Matt Carpenter. 
Um, and I, I, I say that as a guy who, who's got a lot of respect for Matt Carpenter's career, but uh, he is the guy who, whose season really put the Cardinals in a tough spot, and they had to try to overcome it. His offense just never came around, and uh, he's a huge question mark moving forward. So that's the one that comes to, to mind right away. Um, you could say, you know, Barry Odom, but, uh, you know, that's, a, that's another one that's, that's up for, for grabs for him because – with all the expectations that were above him and, and around this season um, and, and the, the way it ended 6-6 six and six, with the inability to put any sort of public scrutiny on the bowl ban because the team just wasn't good enough and Missouri pulls the trigger and, and, and goes ahead and makes the change of football coach, I think, I think that would uh, be in consideration as well. But he's gone now, so with, with, with guys who are still around, I'd have to say Carpenter. I'll have five burning questions. Looking ahead to 2020, Ben Fredrickson, my guest, I am proud to add to the website as an exclusive sponsor of Ben Fred Fridays, the St. Louis-based criminal defense firm of Henderson Watercutty. As many of you know, I'm proud to be from St. Louis, and Mick Henderson and Steve Watercutty are from St. Louis. They call it home. Their firm is the premier criminal defense firm in Missouri and Illinois. So being from St. Louis... They want to help people from our region. And all you have to do is go to their website, stlcriminaldefense.com. That's stlcriminaldefense.com. Now, on that website, you will see the countless testimonials of people who they have helped over the many years that they have been doing work for people in the region. On the site, there are frequently asked questions categories and a wealth of information to help guide you through the process of figuring out how to make decisions to protect your rights and it doesn't matter how big or small the case they're known for their communication with their clients and this is why you can reach them 24 hours a day seven days a week and they have a proven track record of handling your criminal defense and traffic needs the St. Louis-based criminal defense firm of Henderson Watercutty. The website again, and really, go to the website. It's incredibly easy to navigate, stlcriminaldefense.com. Check it out. That's stlcriminaldefense.com. Or call them anytime, day or night, 24 hours a day. The number, 314-645-4400, 314-645-4400. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. What do you want under the tree for sports in St. Louis? What do you want? I would like uh, I would like less resistance from the state for for soccer. Um, I, I think that's something that we're going to hit on, but that's certainly that's certainly up there. Um, I would like uh, I would like a true and wide open outfield competition for the Cardinals um, going into 2020. Uh, I'd like the best players to play there, regardless of of contact situation. I think that would be fun to see, and uh, and I would like for uh, I would like for people to give uh, Eli Drinkwitz a, a, an open shot and and a fair shake at Mizzou as he tries to put his mark on it. Because I, I'm a little I'm intrigued by him. I'm not quite sold yet, but I'm more than more than willing to give him the benefit of the doubt as he tries to elevate the uh, the style of play there. Well, you, you lead me into a couple of uh, the burning questions, and I'll go right to MLS for the Lou. 100% privately financed stadium at the cost of at least $461 million. The governor not giving the support for the area that is a part of the public infrastructure surrounding the, the stadium. 
which is going to be used for so much more than just soccer. Special events, concerts, bars and restaurants going in there. I, I can't, I, I mean, I cannot understand why the support isn't there from the governor. And, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this and what you think may happen going forward. Well, I think people who are against any sort of money for sports, any sort of public money in any way, shape, form, or fashion for sports are going to like this um, reversal by the state. And I don't know that we will change those people's minds, and, 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 and everyone's entitled to their, to their own opinion here. For people who are questioning this, uh, this ask, I would point out the ownership group and, and who it's made up of and what that group has done for St. Louis and the state um, in, in years past. It's a pretty easy track record to find in terms of their willingness to give their own money and, and do the right things for certainly this region. Um, I would also point to the fact that this, this proposal – has been almost universally praised both locally and nationally for its willingness to put forth private dollars um, and have private ownership of the land and the stadium. Uh, and then I would also point out that the the request, this forty million or this thirty, excuse me, thirty million dollars in state tax credits, it has been a part of the plan since the ownership group was, you know, announced more than a year ago now. So. There was never pushback from the state. There was never signs of, hey, this isn't going to work. There they was knew never, it was coming. There was never any any sort of, hey, you know, we need to talk about this ask. Not only did they know it was coming, Dan, they went out of their way to support the plan. Um, you look at the fact that the group gave, you know, gave the governor's name to the league in, 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 in documents that showed the support. You look at the fact that Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, who is from St. Louis, who's a big soccer supporter, was at the announcement and spoke publicly about the cooperation that was going to happen between the state and the ownership group, which that, of course, puts him in a bad spot now that the governor and and the board that controls this ask has decided to turn heel a little bit. Um, I don't get it. I think it's politics in motion. And I think that the assumption a lot of times is that if you go to people like the Taylor families and the Kavanaugh's and you say, hey, you know, we know you want this, so we're going to take a little bit more away and take a little bit more away and keep asking them to do more, that could work. Uh, and, and maybe that's what ends up happening here. But you got to be careful, I think, you know, continuing to renege on deals that you make with people who are trying to do a good thing. Uh, and that's uh, that would be my warning for the state here, especially when you compare it with how it looks, with some of the money that's been given to Kansas City for stadium projects with some of the money that was given to so the chiefs could move their training camp to St. Joseph's. Um, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot that doesn't add up. And I think there's going to be some more details that probably come out about this. Yeah. To me, the biggest point that needs to be made is that the support is being asked by the soccer group to the state. It's the same that could provide any developer, any project of any size that helps offset the public infrastructure costs. So if someone is willing to build $461 million privately financed uh, and bring it to St. Louis to help the revitalization of downtown on a blighted piece of property, I can't understand why the governor would try to roadblock that in any kind of way, form or fashion. I think it's wrong. I'm, I'm steadfast in that belief, and I, I don't think it's the right thing. All right, question number three. Can the Blues repeat looking ahead to 2020? I don't see why not. Um, I, I wrote that they could entering the season, and I was laughed at and mocked by 
by the hockey writers. There's a there's a, a little a blog of the hockey community that kind of said, oh, look at St. Louis. It thinks it's cute. You know, they win a championship, and now they're talking about a dynasty. And, okay, you know, I'll get that. Maybe it was uh, way too optimistic, but it, it doesn't look that crazy now. But you look at how, how the Blues are playing without – Vladimir Tarasenko for most of the season. They're starting to get healthy again. They've overcame this kind of stretch that we thought the bottom might drop out, and now they're getting guys back. And all those guys who had to play and were thrown into the fire are, are, are better because they had to carry a load. They had to play a role, and that's what this team does. That's why, Dan, they were able to get to the Stanley Cup and win it. Last year, it wasn't because they had Vladimir Tarasenko. It wasn't because they had Jordan Biddington. It was because they had a full slate of guys who all did their role, all did their job. They had you know, so many guys who scored postseason goals. And now if you look at how this team is spreading across its scoring, it's, uh, it's starting to look similar. They've got guys who know their jobs and they do it well. And they have guys who can step in and do other people's jobs if someone gets hurt. Not everybody's trying to do the same thing. And it all starts with that defense, that is making Jordan Bennington and Jake Allen look really, really good again. And, and that's kind of the, 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 the part that I think a lot of people overlook. They look at the Blues and they don't see, you know, maybe some of the brand star names, but they overlook this defense that just grates and churns and wears teams down. And it's not because they're out there just knocking people's blocks off. They're just a boa constrictor. And they, and they, and they do it slowly and they do it regularly. And the team comes out of there going, man, we, can, we can't beat these guys, especially when you get them to a, you know, a, a series. So I think they can do it again. It's a tall ask, especially without Tarasenko. But think about it. If they can keep doing what they're doing, which is being the best team, one of the best teams around, and then they get to the postseason, if Vladimir Tarasenko is back, if he's able to jump in and contribute, then you're almost kind of putting a, uh, a booster pack on the team. Now, they'll still look for scoring. They'll still look for ways to improve. But I think they're reaching a point here soon where Doug Armstrong will be in a similar position where he says, do I really want to risk messing with the chemistry of this team because of how well they're playing? Question four for Ben Fredrickson. Looking ahead to 2020, is Eli Drinkwitz the right guy for Mizzou? He better be because he's got a big contract and a big buyout and lots and lots of uh, perks to that deal that a guy who has only coached one season rarely gets anywhere else. And why did that have to happen? I think it needed to because Missouri was taking some lumps in its coaching search. Um, That's what happens when you have some friction between your athletic director and the board of curators. That's what happens when you just fired a football coach who had a 6-6 and season in which a bowl band hung over the the team's head for the entire time, you better step up and show that you're committed to not doing a similar thing to the next guy. So there will be a lot of discussion, and there should be, about Eli Drinkwitz not being on Jim Sterk's initial list. Those first three names that Jim Sterk handed into the curators, taught by Blake Anderson at Arkansas State, Skip Holtz on there, as well as Jeff Monken at Army, it was rejected. So if Missouri tries to say that Eli Drinkwitz was the first choice, it can't. Um, the curator said, look, go get a name that is maybe a little bit less proven but has more upside. And I think Drinkwitz fits that mold. His offense is supposed, supposed to be kind of uh, revolutionary here. They score a ton of points. They score touchdowns, not field goals. I think he's a very smart offensive mind. 
How will he handle the recruiting? How will he handle the scrutiny? We'll see. He's got one year under his belt. They won 12 games with a roster that he did not recruit. That team went on to win its bowl game without him, so clearly he had a good system in place there. But Appy State is also a, a bit of a powerhouse at that level. So we're going to find out if he was riding the, the tailwind of, of his program or if he was the guy who really kind of spearheaded that team to, to thir- a 13-win season. Um, he's going to have to he's going to have to get the recruiting elevated. He's going to have to get as many players to who who played for Odom and signed up to play for Odom and loved Odom to stick around. That's going to be kind of one of his first battles, limiting the transfers to keep talent in the program. And he's going to go have going to go have to do the things that Odom could not do, Dan. He's going to have to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. He's going to have to jump up more often than one time in four years and take down a top twenty-five team. And he's going to have to give Jim Sterk what he said he wanted, which was a regular top 25 football team. I think he can be the guy, but uh, we don't have any proof that says for sure that he will be, and that's what that's what this hire is about, is taking a bit of a risk. Question five is baseball, two-parter. Are the Cardinals done with what they've got right now at their roster, and can they repeat? I, I do think I'm going to lean toward yes, because I don't think Marcelo Zuna will be back, Dan. Um, I think there could be some sort of, of move maybe for a, a left-handed bat in the lineup. But I'll, I'll just point out that the last time the Cardinals were talking about a left-handed bat, it was Drew Robinson who did not beat out Jairo Munoz for, for the job. So will it be a big splash move? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't see them you know, pulling off a trade for a, a Nolan Arenado or a, or a Charlie Blackman or, or anything like that. I think this is about what the Cardinals have said it was about, is this offense getting better from within. They they did add Kim, the the pitcher from Korea. I think that's a really smart thing. I think it probably makes Carlos Martinez more likely to be a closer than a lot of people are thinking at the moment. We'll see how it plays out. But in terms of the offense, the Cardinals have said pretty much we're going to have the same guys back and pretty much this is going to be about the guys who return getting better and also hopefully catching some some new production from some of these young guys so I, I, have, I haven't seen anything quite yet that makes me for sure that they're going to be adding significantly there ben. as for can they repeat um i think that's a tall ask if they don't upgrade the offense um the pitching should be very good again the defense should be very good again that's i think going to be mike schilt's mo here is they're going to pitch well they're going to run the bases well they're going to defend well and and the offense is just going to they're going to have to i think try to catch lightning in a bottle a little bit um, the good thing working in their favor is going to be the division should be down. Um, the Brewers are replacing the guys that they let go or, or, or lost, but they're, but they're not necessarily doing it with, with better players. The Cubs are talking about trading Chris Bryant, and, and the Pirates are in a full-on tank mode. The team to watch is going to be the Reds. Um, they're, the additions they've made in pitching and offense, potentially maybe Marcelo Zuna, we'll see what happens there. Um, that's, the, that's the team that kind of is going to be the sleeper in the division. But can the Cardinals repeat all the way to the NLCS? I think, that's a, I think that's a tall order if they don't find some way to improve the offense with more certainty. Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch, my guest. And before I let you go, Ben, I know you're intimately involved with the baseball writers coming up, and uh, that's a, an event that is very near and dear to your heart. Yeah, Dan, thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. We've got the 62nd Annual Baseball Writers Dinner coming up. It's on Sunday, January 19th at the Marriott Grand Hotel. It's going to be a, a great evening, and, and this is important to mention early because it's it's about funding scholarships for aspiring sports writers. We give out scholarships and, 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 and rewards for upcoming 
sports writers. I was the recipient of the Rick Hummel internship back in 2011. It's part of the reason I was able to return to the Post-Dispatch, so it's very important to me. We're going to have a great lineup. Jack Flaherty will be there, Mike Schilt, Ted Simmons is going to be there, and uh, that was that's going to be a great gig because he'll be able to talk about about his induction to the Hall of Fame. Colton Wong, we will have all of the rookies of the year, the minor league players of the year, Paul Goldschmidt, and also giving an award to Bill James, who is kind of the you know the pioneer of, of baseball advanced baseball statistics as we know it. So tickets are on sale. You can find them at Metro Ticks. You can go to St. Louis BBWA bbwaa.com and there will be a link that takes you there um, if you haven't been before come check it out if you're looking if you're out there looking for that late christmas gift it's very easy to get that and put it in a in a card it, you would be uh, the hit of the uh, the christmas party you can call metro ticks or you can just go online and that's the probably the best way to do it the st louis baseball writers association website ben this was fun man thanks so much and uh, we'll catch up very very soon you too man you should probably mention uh, scoops website one more time and you can hear ben fredrickson on scoops with danny mack every friday does that work for you perfect well done you the, nailed it i am proud to add to the website as an exclusive sponsor of ben fred fridays the st louis based criminal defense firm of henderson Watercutty. as many of you know i'm proud to be from st louis and mick henderson and steve Watercutty are from st louis they call it home their firm is the premier criminal defense firm in Missouri and Illinois. So being from St. Louis, they want to help people from our region. And all you have to do is go to their website, stlcriminaldefense.com. That's stlcriminaldefense.com. Now, on that website, you will see the countless testimonials of people who they have helped over the many years that they have been doing work for people in the region. On the site, there are frequently asked questions, categories, and a wealth of information to help guide you through the process of figuring out how to make decisions to protect your rights. And it doesn't matter how big or small the case. They're known for their communication with their clients, and this is why. You can reach them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they have a proven track record of handling your criminal defense and traffic needs. The St. Louis-based criminal defense firm of Henderson Watercutty. The website again, and really, go to the website. It's incredibly easy to navigate. stlcriminaldefense.com. Check it out. That's stlcriminaldefense.com. Or call them anytime, day or night, 24 hours a day. The number, 314 314- 645-4400, 314-645-4400. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.